0: Relay FM, this is Connected episode 130. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Text Expander from Smile, Ministry of Supply, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Monsieur Stephen Hackett. Hola. Hola,
1: Stephen Hackett. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, Mike. How are you today?
0: I'm very good. We're very sad though. We have no Federico. But we have a very special guest who's gonna be joining me a little later on in the show, when I kick you out. It's true. You're going to trade me out
1: for our guest, mm-hmm. basically. An upgraded Hackett. There you go. Let's do some follow-up. Mm-hmm. So we we talked a little bit, uh, I don't even know what it was, a couple weeks ago about kind of what we're doing with HomeKit. We've been talking a lot about it recently. A lot about it. Yeah. Um, I wrote a whole thing up about it on 5 Pixels. We'll put that in the show notes. If you haven't seen it, it was fun to kind of put that together and walk through what I'm using uh, but if you are a Relay FM member, we have a members-only uh, show that you should be aware of, and I recorded an episode about this with you and Matt Alexander of mm-hmm. Bonanza, amongst other things. And I think it came out really nice, like a thirty-minute conversation about what we're using and got into like the ecosystem question. So uh, lots of like home automation stuff going on around Relay right now, but it's a lot of fun.
0: So yeah, relay.fm/slash membership sign up and you'll get a link in the email to our very special subscriber podcast member podcast.
1: There you go, secret relay subscriber
0: membership podcast. That's the full name, by the way. If you wanna wanna search for it, you'll find it. So good
1: luck. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, w, WDC a little uh, bit. So this happened. This is how what, I feel on, about this. <laughs> this happened on Wednesday, I think. All Last I week, know is no. it
0: destroyed my day. Like, I, was, I yeah. was getting ready to make myself some lunch. I had an afternoon uh, full of recording, right? Like, back-to-back recordings that I had to do mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Including yeah. that member, sp- the secret member special res- subscriber episode. Uh, yeah, it was Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. there us. you go. Whatever day it was. It doesn't matter what day it was, but it was that day. So I was just getting out some, some stuff to start cooking myself some lunch. And then Federico texts me. Well, I think he sent it to our group chat. And he's like, "WWC announced. I'm like, oh, lols, Federico. Look at you. Yeah. It's Mar- It's February. It's not even March yet. Come on. <laughs> but, and then the next text said, San Jose. And I'm like, I don't know where that is. <laughs> I know yeah. it's in California.
1: <laughs> I was still in bed. Uh, I had just gotten up and like rolled over and picked up my phone. Cause usually y'all have been talking. And I need to make sure anything you know is pressing mm-hmm. and this was happening. And so Apple is returning to San Jose for WBDC where it was until like 2002 or so, somewhere right. in there. And they moved to San Francisco. They're moving back. Um, I believe it's a permanent move. I don't think they're going to go back to San Francisco at some point, but we'll see. It's going to be really different. And, San Jose is uh the little bit of time I've spent there it is vastly different than downtown San Francisco where we have been for the last 4 years this will be my 5th WWDC mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy um and it's just going to be a lot of changes I think you know there are a lot of people including me and you and and a lot of people we work with who don't attend WWDC as a developer but they go to the conference and do things around the conference and in the evenings and that sort of thing. And my guess is that a lot of that will be drastically different this time. I would point people to yesterday's episode of Upgrade where you and Jason talk about this. And Jason, of course, has been going to Apple developer conferences for like 150 years yeah. and talked about what it was like in San Jose and then they moved to San Francisco. So he has a really unique perspective that obviously you know I, I, I can't have. But I think it's going to be different, and we've had a lot of questions about what we're going to do, since the two of us are in the business and we're in the show, so <sighs> it's a good place to talk about that. We so,
0: established a tradition, right?
1: <laughs> but that tradition well, was... We had our, 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 what you would call, a first annual event. Yep, we had our first um,
0: annual RelayCon oh, San Francisco.
1: Uh, and we were mere days away from signing a contract on a space,
0: yep. like which would have been... It was a fifty percent non-refundable deposit was required. Yeah,
1: that would have been uh, that would have been unfortunate. So, thankfully, we didn't do that. Uh, but obviously, we we're unsure. There, there's a lot of uncertainty about not only is like what is this going to be like. There's a lot of conversation. You and Jason got into this. Like, is Apple going to provide more stuff after hours for people to do because it's not in San Francisco because it's a little bit of a quieter city? Um, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to, but um, uh, we'll see. But there's this this uncertainty, right? Like, things and traditions that came up in San Francisco are now kind of up for grabs. And the big problem I'm running into as the senior vice president of live events at Relay (laughs) FM, uh, we have an organization. So, aside, Mike and I, we share an organization chart at the company, but there's only two of us. So, like, I'm, you know, co-founder and SVP of, like, four things, and you're co-founder and SVP of another four things. It's uh, a very interesting process to go through. And so we're trying to find space. And as you may imagine, San Jose has a lot fewer options, especially downtown, uh, because we want to be walking distance of the conference. We don't want people to have to Uber anywhere. And most of those places are bars. So like, it's we're working through it. Uh, what we can say uh, today is that we are working on at least a meetup uh, is our hope to, to have a meetup. But we are probably not going to do a live show this year because of the, the venue problem. Uh, because it's a new thing, you know, if, if we plan all this and Apple says, hey, you know, attendees, there's stuff for you every night of the week, it could be really hard for independent uh, events to to be successful. And so yeah. if, if this year, like, we do a meetup and it sells out and there's demand for something, then I think, you know, it's obviously a long way away. But, you know, I think I'd be comfortable saying in 2018 we would be uh, looking at that again. Yeah. But this year I think we're going to play it safe. And my guess is a lot of other people are too.
0: So for me, it's it's not even about like I mean that's definitely a factor, right? Like that we we have no idea what every evening is going to look like. But for me, the 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 shows that we record during WWDC week are some of the most important shows that we record in the entire year, and we don't know what the situation would be like at any of the potential venues that we're going to go to because we've never seen them. And if they're not conducive to a good atmosphere, like a good AV setup for recording we could end up losing the episode, uh, which would be a disaster for all of the people that tune in that aren't going to be able to be there. So I don't want to sacrifice the episode that week because we're not sure of what the arrangement is going to be like. So we will, of course, be recording in person because all three of us are going to be in San Jose. Yes. I keep going to say San Francisco. I wish it didn't start with San. San uh, Fran Jose. San Froze, San Jose. we We're all going to be there. <laughs> so we're going to record an episode together, but it, it, it won't be a live episode. But we do want to... Because one of the best things about RelayCon last year was getting to, to meet a bunch of people. So we want to do that. Um, so we will, we're working on a meetup. We're just trying to find a good venue for that. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to return next year in 2018 to be doing a RelayCon live show, um, in San Jose because we will have been able to kind of scout out some venues. And, and I know, like, I'm sure that there will be people in and around that area that, that will be, as we've had already, some people that are willing to, like, help us out, find a good place. If you know anywhere that's good for a meetup, let us know. But, um, yeah, email I'm me. really particular about a lot of things, uh, and, really? and I, yeah, and I'm I'm concerned. I, I won't feel comfortable about recording a show in a place until I can see it.
1: Well, yeah. So so anyway, so there's all of that going on. So um, we will have news hopefully soon on what we're going to do, and uh, stay tuned for that. So all in all, though, there's a lot of stuff. Again, watch just the two of us. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of stuff coming in 2017. So. Especially with the Pen Addict, if you haven't checked out that Kickstarter, you totally should. You guys are bringing the Pen Addict to Atlanta, uh, D.C., and, and Chicago, Chicago this year.
0: U.S. Tour, baby!
1: U.S. Tour, uh, Mac Power Users has an event uh, next month in Chicago, which I will be flying up for. Uh, and then there will be something at WWDC. So we're doing, all in all, a lot more this year out, kind of, uh, out in the world, which is a l- a really exciting it's a yeah. lot of fun to do that stuff
0: yeah like a lot of the um the, the pan Addict stuff there will be pan Addict shows but also we're going to be trying to work on meetups in those cities so mm-hmm. you know the, more information will follow about all of those and there is potential for maybe two london meetups this year
1: one of them inside mike's new house it's not true,
0: mm. yeah. But I think there might only be like two people invited to that one. But yes, there will be a <laughs> meet up inside my house.
1: Yeah, it's not a meetup if you don't know everybody's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, kind of in uh, corporate update <laughs> this week, uh, we are hiring for a administrative assistant to help uh, behind the scenes at Relay FM. So if you have n- looked at this or haven't looked at it yet, there's a new page: relay.fm/slash/jobs. Uh, you have until Friday to send a cover letter and a resume if you're interested. We've had uh, what I would call an overwhelming response. We've spent a lot of time looking through stuff already, but you have until Friday. We're going to cut it off then and uh, and move forward in that process. So it's exciting.
0: Thank you to everybody that's applied. We have some amazing candidates already. Uh, so thank you if you have. And if you haven't and you're interested, you still have a couple of days to do that.
1: Yep. Uh, so let's, let's get into some sort of more regular follow-up again. Uh, I wanted to point out and talk to you about uh, Reverb.ai. I saw this yesterday, and it is a, an app for Mac, iOS, and Android that ties in to the uh, Amazon voice services, which is the kind of technology behind the Echo and the lady uh, in the canister. And uh, I've been using an app on iOS for a while now that Federico pointed uh, out to me called Astra. (laughs) Me too. These apps are are basically interchangeable. They do the same thing. You open the app, you hit the button, and you talk to it, and then Amazon's lady answers you, just like if you're talking into an Echo. I'm really trying hard not to say her name for you, Mike. I appreciate Um, it. And it's nice because you have those services just with you, and. Uh, I've used Astra a bunch. It's on my home screen. Um, I'm really happy with it. I, I downloaded Reverb just to kind of play with it. The UI is a lot nicer, but I like Astra and I like that it has a pink icon. So they do the same thing. So the icon's a big, a big factor, but... Um, yeah, there's not a lot of interface in these applications. There's basically no interface. It's like... <laughs> uh, um, the the thing uh, about this though, is just really highlights to me, Is like, why has Amazon not done this? Like... Put a because they don't need to echo app, but I, I I agree with you. But I think what it would do is the um the thing about the best of the voices is the one you have with you all the time uh, that Apple nerds like to trot out, and Phil Schiller trotted out the same line, like that. There is there is truth to that to a degree, and I think that Amazon could very easily put this out on iOS and Android and everywhere else, and really grow. Its ecosystem. Now, of course, Amazon wants to sell you the hardware, right? Like having a bunch of freeloaders using the Amazon voice services uh, really isn't their main goal with this. Right? I think they really want to sell that hardware. But I think for people who already have an Echo, like it's nice that I have that same capability just on my phone when I'm out and about. Uh, and I found myself using it a good bit. And you know, again, Siri has improved. But I think I like a lot of other people. Um, have for the most part kind of written off Siri for now at least because it does get things wrong and it it is frustrating to use sometimes and the Echo and the Amazon voice service just works more the way that I want it to work so I like having it um uh so you said you have Astra on your phone do you end up using it very, at all? Or?
0: Very rarely. I I used it I've used it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I have it in case I need it, but honestly like most of the times that I need to control something on my echo, I'm at home where I have two of them. Like I just gotta raise my voice and it will hear me.
1: Yeah. So um that's a good point. I mean I've got a dot right here, like I can touch yeah. it. I'm touching it right now. So uh but if you're on about it's nice. Um lastly uh Snapchat spectacles, which are something that kids like mm. uh, if you're a youth. Uh you can now just buy them online, which is super boring and so mainstream and ugh. <laughs> That was perfect.
0: I was just we're just gonna move on. I cannot add to this in any way. Uh, you totally nailed it. And this week's episode is brought to you that was so good by Text Expander from SMILE. Text Expander for teams multiplies your productivity. It gives everybody in your group a shared knowledge base that they can draw from. Text Expander will help everyone that you work with communicate quickly and accurately. Imagine an environment in which All of the replies that your team send out to, you know, for customer support or to clients, you know, the common things that they send all of the time are worded by your best writers. So you have your best people, create the common responses, then it's shared with everyone. You set them up once, and you can ensure consistency every time. And if something needs to be changed, it can be changed once, it's changed for everyone. Then imagine that all of that text is immediately accessible and searchable through simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts. Then what if they're on every platform, Mac, iOS, and even now Windows? In short, this is what Text Expander gives you. Look, if you use it on your own, Text Expander is that great little tool that helps you from saving things over, like saving from typing things over and over again, right? It saves you time. But when you use it together with people, Text Expander is a platform for increasing productivity as a group, increasing consistency, making less mistakes. Like this is what it's all about. You know, we're talking about bringing somebody on, like hiring someone. I will be using TextExpander for Teams with this person so we can ensure consistency in the emails and the communication that we're sending out to people. Because why not? Like It's there, it's available, and it's super simple to set up, super simple to change. You don't need to send around like all hands emails when some wording has changed. All you do is you just change the snippet that's in TextExpander and it syncs to everybody. Visit TextExpander.com slash connected to sign up for your free trial and to learn how companies such as WordPress and Desk multiply their productivity using TextExpander. Thank you so much to TextExpander for this support of this show all rumors right. rumors 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 everywhere all of, all of the rumors they're all over the place and we're gonna talk about them <laughs>
1: it's a good intro so <laughs> we're gonna talk about the 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 next iphone and i feel like every every day there's some new rumor or facet or feature that the iphone 8 is going to have mm-hmm. and uh, i think I, I first voiced this back in the fall, that this is quickly becoming like the magic unicorn phone, and uh, (laughs) there's a lot of expectations to to, to do this, and I think that if this stuff isn't true, we will see Apple PR start its whisper campaign, probably here pretty soon, to kind of bring things down a notch. Uh, But we haven't gotten to that yet. We're all uh, doped up on Mac rumors and iPhone rumors, so... Not Mac rumors. Not Mac, Mac rumors, rumors. The website. We're at the website. Apples. There's
0: there's absolutely zero Mac. If rumors. there was a
1: new Mac Pro rumor, it would be like sweet drugs to so many Mac users.
0: Somebody should just write that. You should just write that.
1: You know, just, just start <laughs> a rumor campaign.
0: You know, it's, that's how it works.
1: Yeah, that's so, what people come to five twelve for.
0: Yeah, they do. We have some reports from ming Mingji Kuo, uh, our favorite over at KGI Securities. Uh, we've written some more reports. Do you want like me to go through them, Stephen? Please. So the current rumor is that the unicorn phone is going to be the third iphone model debuted in september alongside the 7s and the 7s plus so we will see the the so the rumors we were hearing about like the the iphone 6 design being trotted out for a fourth time is because there will be a 7s and a 7s plus right i'm sure that there will be chip enhancements and camera enhancements and you know maybe some colors that kind of thing but there's also going to be this third this new device uh, alongside it This device, now stay with me here, Right, it will have similar physical dimensions to the 4.7-inch iPhone 7, but it will have an edge-to-edge display. This screen panel, so the actual screen that will go on the frontless device, will measure around 5.8 inches, but 5.15 inches of it will be used like a screen that we're used to. So there is part of the screen at the bottom of the phone that is not used for standard screen use. The rest of this screen is being referred to uh, as a function area, basically software bu- buttons at the bottom of the phone, right? Kind of like how you see on Android phones, they have software buttons, right? It's part of the screen, but you can't do anything there in theory. So the screen for content, so the content area, uh, will be just a little bit smaller than the plus size phone, which is 5.5 inches. So a five, over a 5-inch screen in a 4.7-inch body. Very interesting, big screen, mm-hmm. small phone. Alongside this, so we're gonna we're gonna come back to that function row in a minute because there's some other rumors, but that's that's a whole big thing on its own, right? So it's like function area is being called. This phone will feature a new stacked logic board design to allow for a bigger battery inside, so longer battery life, which I'm sure will be needed as well because the screens getting bigger. Um, It is expected that this phone will adopt other biometric technology. It is unknown at this point whether Touch ID will be replaced or somehow embedded into the screen. Like There seems to be a lot of consternation as to whether that's actually happening this time. There will be a new front-facing camera and infrared module that can sense 3D space, according to another rumor, um, also from Ming-Chi Kuo. This new front-facing camera technology will include facial recognition, iris recognition, and the ability to take 3D selfies that you can add to characters in games. And apparently this is a use of the technology that Apple acquired from PrimeSense. That's a whole big bag of stuff that's new. Mm. Um, this unicorn phone is expected to cost around $1,000, which makes a ton of sense because it sounds like it's going to be super advanced. And also, what a great way to increase the ASP again. Right? I'm, not being, <laughs> I'm not being cynical here, but like, yeah, what a great way to, in, in, right. to like give me this phone that is full of insane technology and charge me a huge price for it.
1: And, and the pricing is not is not bananas. I mean, right now, if you buy off-contract, which is what this price is about, the seven, the iPhone 7 starts at 649 here in the U.S. And the iPhone 7 Plus at 769 Now, if you take the 7 Plus to a 256-gig configuration, so the most expensive iPhone you can buy right now, unlocked in the United States, is $969. So if this phone, you know, if we have the 7S and 7S Plus, and then we have this new phone at the top of the range. The pricing is in line with what you would expect to see. Like, it's mm-hmm. a lot of money, but it is, you know, the phone that I have right here at my desk was eight hundred sixty nine dollars unlocked. Like, it is within reason, I think. And to your point, uh, would help with the ASP and other things Apple cares about that in the bottom line. Yep. So, the- and that'll be starting at a thousand, right? That'll be like the base right. storage at a thousand. Yeah, that'll be uh, the uh, sixteen gig. No, I was kidding. Oh.
0: <laughs> uh, and, and can you imagine? <laughs>
1: it's like all this new technology with
0: sixteen gigs of storage.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they, well, they got rid of that right now. It starts at uh, what does it start at now? I'm trying I think to. It starts at thirty-two now, right? Yeah, thirty-two, one twenty-eight, two fifty-six. I can yeah. even see a world where, like, the thir- maybe the thirty-two gig goes away in this model that you yeah. know is one twenty-eight, two
0: fifty-six, like the iPads. You
1: yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so the pricing, I got no problem with. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in these rumors like each one of these is a topic to unto itself. Yep. Um but let's go back to the no bezel like function area thing. And yep. th- w- when I saw this last week or over the weekend whenever it was, the first thing that came to mind was the touch bar, right? So on the MacBook Pro you have this new thing that is basically like software powered function buttons, right? Yep. And you could see a world in which that would be useful uh, useful on an iPhone, and the, the thing that's really impressed me after having switched to the Touch Bar MacBook Pro, as you predicted, hashtag Mike was right, is that it really can make things uh, faster if you embrace it, and if you right. can ignore it. Like, so, like, for instance, uh, in something like Logic or Final Cut where I know all the shortcuts, I'm not really using the Touch Bar, but... Uh, just yesterday actually, I was in Microsoft Word doing something, and Office recently added like really great touch bar support, and who knows where the buttons are in Office, right like exactly exactly and uh I think this could be a nice boon to iPhone software to say if you have something you want users to get to, but it's buried behind a button somewhere, uh you can surface that and uh the other thing that comes to mind is that you know this this unicorn phone is going to be a little bit smaller. Screen real estate than the plus, and that's the only thing about this that makes me a little sad because I like the, the real estate on my plus. Uh, but if you have a, a way to move some of your on-screen elements off screen and, and put them in this in this touch bar, then it, it kind of balances out a little bit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it all kind of makes sense to me from that perspective. Um, and you could, you know, in theory, uh, use like, at the touch bar stuff on the Mac and uh, people forget, Federico brought this up in our notes, is that on the iPad you have the uh, shortcut bar. So above the iPad keyboard, there are, uh, there are space where developers can put in buttons. And you see this on the iPhone sometimes, but it's really designed for the iPad. Yep. Um, so it's kind of a blend of those two things would be interesting. And you already have some of that in iOS with the iPad keyboard, and you already have it on the Mac with a touch bar. Like You can kind of... Uh, bring those things together into something new, which I think would be actually, honestly, pretty exciting.
0: So in and outland in the chat room has said something which I find really interesting. Uh, So the home button will be virtual. Not sure how much I would like a totally on-screen home button. It makes literally no difference to the button you've got now because that button doesn't move. That button is a flat piece of plastic or glass, right? Which is right. completely unmoving. Like, if yeah. they just had a little circle, right? Which is how I'd expect there'd be a little circle on the bottom of the phone constantly. You just press in that area and it just kicks back at you like the force touch, like mm-hmm. the um, haptics, taptic stuff. I don't even right. think you'd need it. Like, I really don't think that this is a thing that that would be necessary. You know, uh, Mrs. Super said, like, you, you wouldn't be able to feel where it is, right? Which I totally get, because it's not going to be recessed in any way but the the actual the, the button went away like there is no button anymore but anyway there are, there are a couple of, there are a couple of different ways that an area like this could be used right you could use it the way that android uses it and it's just nothing right like when you're watching video um and you're playing games most android phones take advantage of the full screen um not all of them but many of them but other than that there's like the three buttons at the bottom it right? was like a multitasking button a home button and a back button now i don't there are no buttons that Apple would add to this thing, right? You could maybe put a multitasking button next to it, like as a permanent button, but there isn't like a back button. And I can't imagine Apple adding a back button to iOS now so, like, from my perspective, the idea of this being just, like, a dumb area with those three kind of unchangeable buttons doesn't seem like a thing to me. Like, I feel like there will always be the button in the middle, right, like a, a dedicated space to go home, but there will be other things, right? And, and what could they be? Like you that we could have, like a, a like, a black area with colorful buttons on it, like the touch bar, right? Or what if you dropped the tab bar that's in a lot of applications down to that area? Like, you know, like an app like TweetBot, right? Like a a consistent UI paradigm of iOS is to have that tab bar at the bottom, right? Where you just go from area to area. Well, what if that dropped down to that bottom area? So you could have more real estate on screen. You know, you could do something like that. So instead of it being like just a function key, it could be dynamic. It could do any of those things, right? You could you could have just functions there. If you're an application, it just needs functions. Or you can put some tab bars there if you like an app that uses tab bars. Or what if it's like a control center type thing, like control strip? Like there are a bunch of different things that could happen here that frankly I would I think I'd be more interested in having some of this stuff on iOS than on the Mac just because of the the, the direct manipulation with the entire screen at all times, right? Like, mm. it's all in front of you. It's all there. It's, it's easier to hit. Like, you're looking at it. It's right there. Like, you know, people say about the touch bar isn't as good because I don't look at my keyboard like I'm a touch typist. Like, that isn't a consideration. That isn't an issue with the phone because you're always looking at the screen, right? So those buttons are more discoverable at all times. I would be really interested to see this thing. And and honestly, this makes so much sense to me because touch bar feels like retina, right? Like it feels like one of the things, like one of those, like, oh, like touch ID. Like it it feels like just something that will permeate across Apple products. It's going to just kind of spread and trickle out over time. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I mean, who knows with these rumors, right? Like they're rumors, but this one makes a lot of sense. Like, the the 3D selfies and facial recognition stuff, like, okay, I can kind of see it, but that seems, like, super out there. But, like, it, you can couple it to be like, well, maybe there's no Touch ID, but although I still think there will be Touch ID. I think they're going to put Touch ID on the back of the device, honestly. Um, I don't think it's going to be embedded into the screen this time. Actually, I'm just going to put my stake in the ground now. That's, that feels like a big jump. I think maybe the, the one after this, they'll put it in the screen. Uh, but then they might want to have a different unlocking mechanism and facial and iris recognition, if you can do it right, sounds fun. But that still seems like a huge, like a that's a really big thing. It seems like a big jump. But something like having this function area seems possible. Like Mobile World Congress is coming up and there are a bunch of leaks and like press invites for LG and Samsung and all of these phones are going like edge to edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I'm very confident that Apple can do it, will do it. And if they do, adding a touch bar to the iPhone seems like a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely time for them to reevaluate the industrial design. The chin and the forehead are, are really aging. Um, I think I agree with you on all of that. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff here. And I think as we get closer to it, it will probably become more clear what's going on. I mean, it's it's February, and we're talking in detail about the next iPhone, like, it <laughs> seems like it's earlier than ever. But, I think it's because we, there were, people
0: were a bit underwhelmed, you know, or at least the, yeah, the media was underwhelmed, including me, yeah. with, with the previous one, so it's like, we're, and, we're hanging, and also, this has been a discussion, this phone has been a discussion since before the 7, right?
1: Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about what this would mean from, like, a strategy perspective, because yep. that that is uh, almost equally interesting to me, and so if we go with this model that uh, in the fall of this year, we will see an iPhone 7S, an iPhone 7S Plus, which look the same as the 7 and 7 Plus we have now, which is what my prediction was for the year. Uh, with this 8 slash Pro, we'll get to the naming in a minute, on top of those is the, the new high-end model. This would be a really big break from Apple's iPhone strategy to date. Really, the only other break has been... Well, there have been two others. Uh, The first has been the, was the iPhone 5C. So when they introduced the iPhone 5S, instead of demoting the iPhone 5 to that sort of, you know, low cost, maybe even free on contract or $100 on contract phone, they pulled the iPhone 5 from sale and replaced it with the iPhone 5C. Now, it had all the same guts, had a better camera, but an all new industrial design that only lasted one year, plastic, colorful uh, to date, probably one of my favorite iPhones in the hand. The iPhone 5C is great. But it was a break in strategy. And the conversation then was Apple's going to make a cheap phone. People have said the C would stand for cheap. Of course, it, I think it ended up staying for colorful uh, or unapologetically plastic. I think is what Johnny I've said in the video. But it was a break. And clearly it didn't work. And they went back to demoting the, the new phone a year later to that middle price point and then, you know, kind of shuffling it down the line till it was free and then out the door. And, and there were a lot of reasons for that. My guess is, and what I've read and kind of what I've heard since then, is that the iPhone 5 was problematic to produce, especially in the black. And they, it's one reason they changed the color on the 5S. It's one reason that uh, the they've never gone back to that black even now. And, Maybe the 5C was meant to be more, but at the very least, it covered the manufacturing angle, and, but it didn't pan out, right? The iPhone 5C faded into history, and uh, most people never had one, most people never used one, and it's kind of gone. The second break was the next year when they introduced the 6 and 6 Plus, where you had two main like headlining phones. The Plus was a little bit better in some ways um, and more expensive, But basically two new phones. Spec-wise, basically the same, except, you know, camera and battery life. But same processor, same, same industrial design. And this is where they've been for a while now. So the 6 and 6 Plus got demoted to the middle spot and stayed around. The options get simpler. You can't choose colors. You have limited size options. And then they sort of shuffle down the line and then disappear. And that's the world that we live in now. My question is with this phone, you know, a year from now... Or a year and a half from now, I guess. uh, What happened? The the 7 to 7S Plus get demoted. And then, like, does the 8 slash Pro, like, where does it go? What happens? What's happening with the iPhone SE, which we're going to talk about after the ad break? It's rumored to get an update soon. Like, it's it's much more complicated than it used to be. And I don't have a problem with that. I think Apple is trying to grow the iPhone into new markets. The 5C was supposed to be lower cost, really wasn't. But you know it was it looked new and and really was a new phone so had some potential there but it's just a different strategy and instead of go breaking low with the five c they're breaking high with the eight slash pro slash unicorn phone and uh I think it will work i think this phone if if any even if half this stuff is true even if it's even if it's just an upgraded seven s with a new industrial design, i think at least the fans are gonna buy it like Uh, sign me up for this phone dude like this is what i'm getting um even if it means a a downgrade in screen size a little bit so so i think it'll be successful uh but i just wonder why apple's doing it now is this a a way to head off uh leveling iphone sales you know iphone sales were up uh this year over over where they have been which is good it's what apple said would happen but they want to continue growing is this a way to do that uh, or is this a weird, like, stopgap? Is the iPhone 7 a hiccup? And, and that's kind of to your next point the notes of, does this phone explain why 2016 was a little underwhelming? Was this phone supposed to be out in 2016? And this whole, like, strategy thing I just broke down really wasn't the plan, but it's kind of the world they're going to be in because this phone wasn't ready. And we will probably never know the answer to that until, you know someone's dying and writes a book but it is um it's really interesting to think about
0: i i think this was the plan all along honestly like i feel like it would have i think we would have seen some other signs like if apple had to like go back to the drawing board right because i think you know that a long time in advance um i think that the plan was always to kind of just hold over a year um, and then make a big jump and, and I don't think the next phone after that will be as big a jump it will be like what we're used to right like it will right. be more incremental stuff but they, they wanted to maybe they, the areas that they wanted to move into required a lot more time to develop like this full mm-hmm. screen stuff seems like it maybe like a Pretty tricky thing to get perfectly right, so maybe it was just like we need we need two years on this one, you know, three years on this one. We need a longer time period. Um, and this strategy, I am totally seeing what you're saying, right? There's so many different models, but whether you like it or don't like it, I'm not annoyed by it like some people are. This is Tim Cook. Every every Apple line has grown um, under his leadership, like in product, in like product choice. Uh, that's what he does, right? Like, this is, or at least this is the Apple under Tim cook, whether it's him or whether it's somebody else, right? Like, we're, we're going to talk about the iPads again in a minute, but like, there are more iPads than there's ever been. Um, I know that, you know, there maybe aren't as many Macs, but there are still a ton of choices, even when there maybe shouldn't be all the choices that there is, right? They're still selling yeah. products that shouldn't be sold. Like, right. this is a, like, they sold two models of Apple TV when there was absolutely no reason to. Like, <laughs> they sell. Lots of options, and one of the reasons to do this is because you can then have something that's super expensive uh, and this will be a way to grow revenue in the iPhone sector like I don't disagree with these things like I see the business use and I see the business case for many of these things, like having a more expensive iPhone is a smart thing to do because you have some cultures that will buy it just because they want to have the most expensive phone to show that they have the most expensive phone. Or you have some people that are just like so eaten up in the technology, or you just have some people that just want the latest and greatest. But whatever it is, sure. you're going to be able to get maybe double the ASP from some people, right? More, triple. Um, and, and that's going to be an interesting thing for the graphs. But for you know, if you don't care about the graphs, if this phone is what we're hoping it's going to be, it's going to be freaking amazing. Um, and also I think that they will call this the iPhone Pro and this is the perfect time to give it a different name and then maybe to change the iPhone naming going forward so they get off the number cycle because I don't think that's helping them. Uh, and I think this one will probably be called the iPhone Pro because what else would you call it?
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, that kind of defers the problem. Like I'm very curious what they call the second generation of iPad Pro, like <laughs> iPad Pro 2, I bet. But um, I think you're right. And I think that if this had been the plan for 2016 the leaks we're seeing now we would have seen a year ago leading into the into what would be the 7 at, the 7 and 7 plus but instead all leaks were there's no headphone jack. Yeah. And this stuff was kept really quiet until recently and so I, I agree with you. I think it's it's weird that maybe 2016 was a little underwhelming. That's not to say this isn't a good phone. I really like my 7 plus, but it it is much more Evolutionary for a, a new model number than they have been in the past. And this phone, to back up a second, would be a huge break from where we've been and would really be a big, a big turn in a new direction without, um, without evolving to that point, like a, a big jump forward. And of course, then from then they will have to iterate again. And, and you know, you kind of get this, this spurt of innovation all at once, which is, I mean if if all if if all this stuff is true we didn't even talk about like wireless charging I don't think but if all this stuff is true then this would be probably the biggest feature set change to the iPhone maybe ever I mean really you had the 4 that brought the Retina display and that 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 does that industrial design and then you had the 6 and 6 plus but I think this phone would be a, a bigger change than than those two uh, years brought so it would be exciting as someone who, you know, has carried an iPhone for a long time, almost continuously since the beginning, except for a little dabbling in WebOS and Android that here and there, that, like, like I said, sign me up for this. I think, I think I'm ready.
0: But this isn't all, kids. We have more rumors. But first, let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Ministry of Supply. Look, work clothes suck you spend 40 hours a week in them they're uncomfortable they make you hot they make you sweaty they're restrictive unbreathable and at the end of the day they're all wrinkled and tatty looking this is what ministry of supply is here to fix they make performance clothes for the modern day workplace launched by mit engineers ministry of supply combines human-centric research performance technology and tailored design to create wear to work clothes for men and women like dress shirts blouses and pants for example The Ministry of Supply Future Forward Dress Shirt for Men has NASA-invented fibers that regulate body temperature based on your surroundings. The Ministry of Supply Easier Than Silk Shirt for Women has the drape and feel of a silk shirt, but with four-way stretch, wrinkle-resistant, and most importantly, it's machine-washable. They make great clothes that are comfortable to wear, that you feel good in, that you're not going to get all hot and sweaty in, and that a lot of the time don't even need to be ironed. I mean, that's the dream, right? Ministry of Supply also make socks as well now, too. The Smarter Dress Socks. Are made of coffee fiber that wick sweat and absorb odor. They provide extreme cushion with more padding than gym socks. So your, your feet are going to feel nice and bouncy throughout the day. Ministry of Supply of free shipping, free returns, and a 100 day no questions asked return policy. If you don't like it, send it back to them. No deal. They don't, they're, they're no problem. No problem at all. Free returns. They're good with it. To find out more and to get a fantastic 15% off your first purchase, go to com slash connected, or you can visit any of their nine retail stores in locations like San Francisco, Atlanta, and Chicago. Mention this show and you will get 15% off as well. How cool is that? Thank you so much to ministry of supply for their support of connected and relay FM. All
1: right. So the March event seems to be back on according to the rumor cycle. Um, Real quick rundown: a twenty, a hundred and twenty-eight gig iPhone SE option. No real word as if it's going to get a spec bump or not, but uh, at least the new model uh, iPhone Mini Pro. We're going to come back to that, and a product red iPhone seven and seven plus. And I remember leading into the iPhone seven, this was a rumor then that they would have a, you know a red andized version, and I uh, think it looks really good in the renders. So. All that's rumored. Uh, the iPad Mini would, is expected to get the smart connector, True Tone, and four speakers, so to bring it in line with the other iPad Pro options. Uh, I I don't really know why they would do this. I mean, the iPad Mini is, uh, by, by I think any way you can measure it, uh, of course, Apple doesn't say, but not the best-selling iPad. Uh, it's generally the slowest to receive updates, and I think it's winning like, feature is that it is so portable. And do you want to put a keyboard on an iPad that small? Do they have room inside to put four speakers? Like, I just don't know. Like it just seems like an odd, an odd thing to me. But um, this would be alongside with the already expected refreshes to the 9.7 and the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. And, of course, the introduction to the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. So we're just talking about Apple doing a lots of different devices. We could be looking at a four new models of iPad Pro in March, which is just exhausting to talk about.
0: So the uh, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro and 12.9 are expected to get some bumps, right? So you're going to get, like, true tone in the 12.9. We're talking about adding, like, four microphones to it. And then also the introduction of the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. Mac Otakara is referring to this as the 10.5 now, not the 10.9 and it seems to be a change there. Um, Still edge-to-edge design, but a a change in the the size. When everything is pro, is anything really pro? Like, will there be (laughs) any iPads available that are new that will not be pro iPads?
1: Just old ones. Just uh, the iPad Air 2, however long it lasts. It seems really weird, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And and maybe they've got to get through this, and eventually they can drop the pro from the name. You know, I I just don't know. But uh, I mean, we've talked about Apple naming problems forever, right? Like, as long as we've been doing podcasts together, Apple has some stupid naming decision they've made. So uh, it's just part of the part of the deal, I think. But all in all, I think what's most exciting is that nine point, uh, the ten point five inch iPad Pro. Uh, the idea that it's roughly the same for form factor as the nine point seven, but the screen real estate of the 12.9 and some of the layout stuff from the 12.9. If this is true, this will be my next iPad. And, you know, does the 9.7 Pro just get demoted and kind of fill the air two spot? And I don't know, like it's, I can't, I don't think they can do 9.7, 10.5 and 12.9. Like that's a lot of iPads really close to each other. But I guess time will tell, never underestimate the silly decisions that um, the operations guy can make when he runs the company.
0: I want the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and I'm happy for that to exist. The 9.7, I think, shouldn't be an iPad Pro anymore. Um, I think they should have a 9.7, which is an Air model. Uh, The 12.9 should exist as the iPad Pro. It should get all of the features that the 9.7 got right. It should get true tone. It should get a new processor. It should be faster, beefier, better. Um I don't see why you would make a mini a pro. I I really want to see the case for that. Um, Is there still going to be a regular mini? Uh, You know, you said that the mini doesn't sell very well. I don't know about that, right? Like, I wonder if that's just the basic iPad that most people get is the cheapest. It's the one that you buy for kids. Like, There is a product there that makes a lot of sense that I think would be strange if they replaced it with a product that was more expensive. I think that would Mm -hmm. be a big a big miss. Um, If they basically have decided that they don't want the iPads to be Pro anymore, they want all iPads to have these features. Cool, but don't put all the prices up. Wow! Like if this is what an iPad just becomes, right? Like Apple has decided that the all of the iPads get these features. That's that's fine, and then you can call the pro devices the super expensive, fancy ones like the ten five and the twelve nine, and then mm-hmm. the mini and the nine point seven. They're just iPads, but iPads now all have smart connectors. They work True Tone. They all have maybe Apple Pencil support, right? right. That that yeah, would it... be fine. Yeah, but I don't think you can have your entire line called the iPad Pro, when then all that's left is what like the iPad Mini four still, and and like the Air two. Like that's, that's a big gulf in between the regular and the pro at that point um however when we w- saw the lack of ipad stuff in 10.3 we were concerned about whether a march event would exist at all this seems mm-hmm. like we might get something i mean and as a devout <laughs> no ipad user <laughs> look, as i said i think i said on the show like i would take new hardware if there's no new software until september because I just want to see commitment to the platform, right? It's the same way that people are upset about Mac commitment. We have the same issue in the iPad mm. camp. Like, I don't want to the same new... issue. <laughs>
1: You haven't had on three years without your best model being updated.
0: Yeah, but um, we're not... Okay, but I'm just saying that consternation in the Mac completely, right? There hasn't been anything since... for a year now. We haven't had any new hardware for a year. I haven't had any new software for 18 months. Like, that's not yeah. great. So it's not exactly What's the Apple same, but it's Apple not great. working on? <laughs> This new phone, ages. I think, right? Like, I'm starting to wonder, right? So this is this is my current thinking. If we get an iPad, which has, like, edge-to-edge iPad, this, like, beautiful thing that's apparently coming, and this iPhone, then I will know why 2016 was so weird. Yeah. Because 2017 it's going to be amazing.
1: Maybe we'll get an edge-to-edge Mac Pro. Okay. Yeah, so- yeah. It's, like, just all
0: screen, and you just touch it, and stuff happens.
1: Hmm. That sounds like a different type of computing platform. Okay. So, yeah. So that's the iPad stuff. I don't really have much else to add. It seems like it's mostly kind of just like gathering up all the previous rumors, but.
0: But please, please, please give it. I expect that if this March event exists, there will also be a bump to the iMac. Not like a crazy one, but just like Thunderbolt 3, Thunderbolt 3,
1: and uh, KB Lake. And um, I, I ran. So I do my K-base article of the week thing on 512. And this week it was the article about using target display mode. So you could use an iMac as a display for like a MacBook Pro. And they got rid of that with Retina because you can't you couldn't drive the 4K or 5K display from Thunderbolt 2 and at least the way Apple wanted to. And uh, I posted that yesterday and someone on Twitter was like, well, it could come back with like Thunderbolt 3 you could theoretically run an iMac 5K as a display from a Thunderbolt 3 MacBook Pro, which I think is totally doable. And now I'm hopeful that it comes back. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I just bought an iMac last year. So I am set with this machine for years. But uh, I think all that stuff will come. So I agree with you. I think if we're going to see an iMac be in the spring, it'll hold over some Mac stuff until later in the year.
0: Yeah. I feel like I am, with my Mac now, I'm going to be like John Syracuse. Mm. Like, I can't imagine there being a thing that makes me want to update this Mac until it's like just dying. Yeah. Like it's my issue now will be speed and I think I'm going to have a long time before that's going to be a problem.
1: They're so they're so good. Like these these 5K machines are are so fast and you know you can put RAM in them and it's just I think I agree with you the longevity of these computers is a lot better than it used to be.
0: Also it's not exciting anymore.
1: What? No, he didn't say it. Move on. <laughs> hmm. So uh, we're gonna have a guest on in a, in a minute, but uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about where we store our data. Um, this came up for me a couple of weeks ago. I got an email to renew my annual Todoist, you know, premium or whatever. So I pay for Todoist extra features, and I pay it a year at a time. And I signed up a year ago, and I got an email, hey, pays money. Uh, I also at the same time, basically like a couple of days later, got one to renew my Remember the Milk. Uh, professional, like, account Uh, thing, which is a a to-do list that I have used uh, on and off over the years. Uh, I really like the way that it works, but I hate the icon because it's a cow.
0: Remember the Milk had their reminder to email their one customer, which is
1: you, uh, to ask them to opt. Apparently, so so I didn't know, I mocked them once, and people came out of the woodwork, especially, like, uh, uh, non-American customers. Like, they seem to be really big in parts of the world, but anyways... Don't have a cow head as your icon. Don't have a cow, man. Mm. This spurred in me, I wonder what else I'm paying for that I'm not using. And so I, I kind of took a couple days and like broke down all the services I'm using. I put it together in a blog post uh, with a little mind map with a little cartoon me in the middle, which was uh, fun to put together. And just kind of thinking about where my data lives, what I pay for, uh, do I have overlap or things I can simplify, and... I really walked away with like two big thoughts. One, I'm pretty happy with my setup uh, after I quit paying for Remember the Milk. And two, that especially with iCloud, I only really use iCloud where it does not overlap with something else. And so in 2016, I moved my personal email contacts and calendars to my Gmail account, which I've had since like the you know private beta days. I've had it forever. And I moved away because iCloud, really because iCloud Email, their filtering and rules are just pitiful compared to what Gmail offers. And we're already using Google Apps to run Relay. My company runs on Google Apps. Like it was just nice to have everything on Gmail. And looking at this, I really only use iCloud for things that only iCloud can do. So things like iCloud Keychain and iOS backups. And I do use iCloud Photo Library, uh, Google Photos can do that. And I do have my data there as a as sort of a secondary system, but I really like the way iCloud photo library works. Um, and I use notes there and family calendar, but anything else that I'm not, you know, sharing with my wife, who's on iCloud exclusively, or that Apple just restricts to iCloud only, uh, I'm using Google for stuff. And I can hear you writing your emails now, like I get it. Uh, it works for me. Uh, I'm not as uh, paranoid about their privacy stuff as some people are. But um, it was just, that was just an interesting thing um, I walked away from uh, with that sort of in mind. And uh, so, yeah, so you can go see the graph. It is um, all in all like I have things in fewer places than I thought. I thought going into this that I had stuff that's fragmented all over the place. And it's really not not true. I mean, I've got some duplication in like iCloud and 1Password. I use 1, 1Password for secure notes. So like notes with like my kids, social security numbers and birthdays in them. Because you you always need that when you're on the phone with somebody, like, you know, dealing with insurance or something. It's like, oh, I can never remember who's whose social security numbers who's. So I have those in one password, not in notes. But other than that, it ended up that I was actually in pretty good shape. And I really didn't cancel anything besides my remember the milk membership. And uh, so yeah, so it was helpful, and I think it's helpful for people to kind of walk through this. Uh, so Mike, I challenged you to do the same thing. And I'm curious as to what you learned about where you have your stuff.
0: The main thing I learned is that I have photos in too many places. Um, but I think that anybody at <laughs> this show would assume that. So I kind of used yours as a template um, to try and work out where my stuff is. So on iCloud, I have my iCloud photo library and then stuff like iOS backups and Keychain, right? Like that stuff is just there. Um, my calendars currently, um, I'm, like all of my personal calendars and shared calendars um, are in iCloud uh all of obviously my notes cuz i use notes.app and my personal email um i've just had the email address for so long that there's so many things attached to it i can't change it yeah. like so many logins for so many services like just attached to this email address mm-hmm. that it's just like i can't i can't change it um google i have my browsing data my chrome data um sure. and i have my google photos as well then I have some personal email accounts run through there and my work email accounts all run through there. Um, and I have some work calendars, right? So like people invite me to events via my like relay address or whatever, which is a Google uh, Apps thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I have work calendars there. And I'm also going to move some personal calendars to take advantage of automation stuff because Google Calendar can can lock into different, different services that I'm using right now. Then, of course, I have a lot of Google Docs and Drive Docs, right? Sheets and Docs and stuff is all in Google. So like, many. <laughs> so many, just like a, like a billion things.
1: I mean, our company, we've said this, our company runs Google Drive. Like, it's yep. nuts.
0: And then uh, Dropbox is maybe the service that I use the most extensively, though, because Dropbox is my file system. Yeah, if same. something is not a like a web document, like a Drive document... Or a video or audio production file, it is in Dropbox. Everything. Mm -hmm. So stuff that I share with you for work, stuff that I share with other people for recording, um, and then just all of my own documents just all go in there. just all goes in there. I have like a pro account. Um, I think I have more Dropbox space than I do disk space. Like, yeah, everything just goes in there. And also as well, my photos go in there as well. (laughs) <laughs> it all my photos go everywhere. Um, my photos are also in backblaze. I'm now fully backed up to backbla- backblaze. Yes. Welcome, so
1: good. Twenty four hours. I hate you
0: <laughs> on my on my internet connection. Twenty four hours to back up uh, about six hundred gigabytes of stuff. Mm. Oh, and all, all of oh I forget as well. I backed up all of my uh, external stuff as well. So That's good. Um, we're talking. I think I think it was like a terabyte stuff that went up in yeah. 24 hours.
1: I want I want to talk about your external storage a little bit. So, oh, no. I know just from our conversations over the years, you have best I can tell between 1 and 17 like USB hard drives floating around with stuff on them. I have
0: two constantly connected to my
1: Mac. Okay. Time machine? One is a time machine. One. So, uh-huh. 2
0: terabyte disk, I have it split. Um, I have it partitioned. Uh, 1 terabyte is dedicated to the Time Machine, then 1 terabyte is what i just call cold storage it's just where like just stuff goes like it's just not right. important stuff just it's just like get out of my face stuff. but yeah. i want to keep it <laughs> yeah <laughs> then i have like another one uh which is, which, is, which is like a 500 gig thing where i have uh some backups and some things that i don't need so i have some movies on there some entertainment stuff on there and i also have um youtube video stuff goes on there just so it's off the hard drive uh, mm-hmm. it all just goes in there as well now that i have like a bit more of a better setup like i'm thinking and i have bought a printer now just like so now i just feel like i'm buying stuff that's more official for an office i'm right. so unhappy that i have a printer by the way like there's just something fundamental about the fact that that makes me sad um <laughs> but we, like it's just like a you know it's just like driving like because you know you need like every now and then you go into an event and it's like you need a printed version of this yep. yeah yeah we've like, got
1: we got a, a little black and white brother sits on the network and print to it like once every six weeks
0: (laughs) so now i've just got this thing and it's sitting under my desk so like i say this because like you know i'm thinking about these devices like i want to get a network attack storage now like i want to do this i just haven't done this like but i just don't know what it's going to be whether i'm going to go drobo or synology everybody's got their own opinions on this i haven't come up with what i want to do yet so i'm back Mm -hmm. on that train again um, but I do have some, like, you know, the others that you have. I have 1Password. I don't really keep any notes in there, but all of my logins and my bank account information is all in 1Password. Yep. Don't hack me, bro. Um, obviously, I've got Backblaze now, uh, Todoist and Toggle, right? Productivity things. Um, then I have Zapier, which I found out recently. It's Zapier, not Zapier.
1: Oh, today I learned.
0: Yep. I took that from Federico's pronunciation. Um well. Then go. someone took me to task on it and tweeted at the Zapier people and asked them for a pronunciation and it's like Zapier like happier.
1: Oh, this is put a second P in there then.
0: Yeah, I know, but they could they should put a different another P in there and also because they make things called Zaps, right? Like they, all of their little actions are called Zaps, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's Zapier. And Zapier. also uh, if this then that, I have stuff in there as well, right? This sure. is part of my automation stuff. So that's kind of where my my data my online data is spread across. Are you happy? If yeah. what have I done wrong?
1: No, it's, uh, I mean, our iCloud and Google stuff is very similar. I mean, pilot obviously is that we work together seven days a week. But the, the thing that I think most people get hung up on is the, like, I need more storage than what my SSD can have. And like, how do you manage that? So for me in our household, we have a Mac mini hooked up to our television, which I've talked about at length in the past. And I have a Drobo hooked up to that via Thunderbolt. And... That Mac Mini is on Ethernet. It has a static IP address. Like I can, that is my file server at home. I can get I can get to it from the outside. And anything, kind of like your cold storage, like anything I don't need on my local SSD on my iMac is there. And I have it there and I have it plugged in via Thunderbolt so I can back it up to Backblaze. So my, I'm actually pulling up my dashboard. My uh, Drobo has something like 4.2 terabytes on it. And that's all on Backblaze. It took a really long time because I'm not, I am not—I don't have fiber like you do. But it's all there in one place. And in, in one place, it makes it easy to back up. And uh, I also do like, off-site uh, external hard drives that I use, Carbon Copy Cloner, and you know, duplicate those disks and take them elsewhere. But I think the the biggest thing people run into, and it sounds like you've solved it now with Backblaze, is that people don't back up their external drives. I can't tell you how many times... like when I was doing tech or even doing consulting, like someone's like, well, I had an external drive. It's like, well, did you only have one copy of it? Because one copy of data is temporary. Like even in the chat room, people are like, yeah, I have all my work stuff on an external USB drive. Good for you. Back it up. Like (laughs) only one drive, stuff on one drive is temporary data. Like I literally backed up my
0: Dropbox folder
1: to Backblaze. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I just checked. I have 1.1 terabytes
0: of stuff there.
1: On Backblaze? Yeah. Yeah, mine's got to be bigger than that because I've got three com- three computers and the and the Drobo. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's where people get hung up is they just don't know how to back up an external drive. So Backblaze can do that if it's locally attached. Uh, it cannot do, I-, I believe this is still true. It cannot do a network attached drive. But uh, I'm sure the chat room will correct me if I'm wrong about that. But uh, if you have a if you have a USB hard drive that's plugged into your computer all the time, like just add to your Backblaze account, or if you can't afford the bandwidth to do that or whatever, like just buy another USB drive and copy it over every once in a while because, again, data that's only one place is temporary. Three is two, two is one, and one is none, as a wise man once said. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where most people get hung up, and that's what's kind of made me nervous about your setup over the years, but it sounds like you're solving that with your fiber connection and a Backblaze account. So I think all in all you get a, uh, a Vattici of of quality today. I can hand those out because he's not here. So good job.
0: So uh, we have a a special guest now. um, And this special guest means that you need to go away. Yeah. So uh, goodbye, Stephen Hackett. Bye, Mike. This week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code WORLD at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase. Look, make your next move. With Squarespace, they easily let you create a website for that next idea that you've been working on. And with the ability to grab a unique domain name, to be able to take advantage of award-winning templates, and so much more, they're the perfect place for you to check out. Maybe you're looking to create a blog, a portfolio, an online store. It doesn't matter what type of site you want to put on the internet. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do it. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed, nothing to sit and maintain. Squarespace has got it covered They have award-winning, 24-7 customer support, in case you need any help with anything, that you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed with responsive design built in, so you can show off your great ideas. Squarespace is great for people that are not really sure what they're doing, or for people that just don't want to have to worry about anything, or... If you do know all of the web stuff that I don't know, you can go into their developer platform and just tinker with things to your heart's content and still get a, like you know, you know get all the support, you get all the great hosting, and you get all of their great tools and integrations. You can still benefit from all of that, but still get in and tinker under the hood if you want to. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can sign up for a trial with no credit card needed by going to squarespace.com. Then when you decide to sign up, use the offer code WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thanks to Squarespace. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. All right, so we are now joined by a special guest on Connected, the one and only Mary Hackett. Hi, Mary, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm well. How about you?
0: Very good, thank you. So we wanted to have you on the show. Well, I mean, there's many reasons I want to have you on the show, um, and we're going (laughs) to get to some of those shortly. Um, But Stephen is gone. It's just me and you. And we wanted to have you on to talk about the Beats X headphones because you got some of the like the Beats X wireless headphones right?
2: I did I got them for my birthday oh, from birthday. Stephen Hackett.
0: What a nice guy he is huh?
2: You know he really is.
0: He really is a very nice I guy. Like so him. why did you want uh, the Beats X maybe over something like AirPods?
2: Well um, to be honest I <laughs> lose things. <laughs> ah okay, so the airPods were not super appealing <laughs> I mean they're they're really cool. I enjoy looking at Stevens and flipping the little top and putting them in and out and seeing them charge, but uh, not really practical for me because mainly because I start and stop whatever I'm listening to so so frequently because yep. I've got little people around the house. I'm always stopping to. Somebody's asking me a question. Okay, what was that? And then I'll start my music back again. And so if I'm constantly taking one out, I'm going to set it down somewhere, and then I'll never find it again.
0: So I, see, I wondered if maybe you were just like, like like many people, just didn't like the silliness of the AirPods. Like that they look kind of, they do kind of dorky.
2: They do. They're a little dumpy. But especially for something so new, I don't know. <laughs> you just look a little awkward. I'm getting over that. I think just yeah. seeing it more often um, helps you kind of get over the <laughs> that factor.
0: Yeah, I, I found myself quite lucky in that I have a beard because, like, the end of them just kind of like <laughs> hides in my beard, and you can't really tell so much that they stay out of the way a little bit more because it just tucks in there.
2: I have a feeling if I were wearing them with my hair pulled back, like working out, it would they would really stick out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, is this your first pair of Bluetooth headphones? If you had Bluetooth it headphones is. before, it is. So, what do you think about that? Like, no wires. How do you find that?
2: I love it because I was constantly. Um, well, so what I should maybe say what my setup was before getting the Beats X, mm-hmm. um, before I just had the regular earbuds. And so then I would wear, if I were working out or doing something around the house where I was going to be moving and listening to podcast music, then I would have uh, my phone in a little armband and then mm-hmm. have my wired, you know, have them my headphones plugged into that. So then I would have to like wrap it back behind my head. So that it's not in front of me when I'm working or picking up kids or um, so I'd have it wrapped behind my head around my hair and then have usually one tucked into my ear and the other one like wrapped around my shirt, like my yeah. clothing to keep it out of the way so that I could hear what was going on, but also get a little bit of music in the background. And it just was getting kind of ridiculous, especially with the cool weather, trying to like get it around like is it under my hoodie is it over my hoodie well now my armband is stuck so i've got to reach up my sleeve to plug in you know and i can't see what i'm doing so it was um pretty ridiculous so i really am enjoying it <laughs>
0: Like it, it doesn't matter how small the phone is those armbands just they just suck like it's just not <laughs> a good it's just not convenient it's too big it's too bulky like that's one of the things that we've lost since having all of our audio on little ipods that could just be clipped to you you know like the shuffle or whatever mm-hmm. they were awesome But then, Mm -hmm. like, now we move to our phones and they're just these huge, big bricks that had to be strapped to us somewhere.
2: (laughs) It's true. Yes, I'm really enjoying the wireless factor.
0: (laughs) So do you just, like, you know, I assume if you're at home or whatever, you can just leave the phone wherever, walk around the house. Do the Beats X have good range if you found that, like, if you're walking around the house, they, they stay connected?
2: They do. And I feel like it kind of gives me a little, like, I'll forget that I don't even have my phone with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll walk, you know, from the front of the house to the back, and it'll kind of blip in and out and be like, oh, yeah, I, I need to go get my phone <laughs> if I'm going to move and be working in a different part of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I went – I couldn't tell you how many, how many feet exactly, but I went from the kitchen out to the garage. I mean, you know, closed doors, walls, two walls, um, and I could still hear the music. Yeah, it that, was obviously perfect. not as good a connection, but uh-huh. it, I feel like it would, does a really good job.
0: So, what do you what are you finding yourself using these for? Is it, is it just music? Are you listening to podcasts? And like, is it for around the house, walking out, that kind of thing?
2: Yes, it's for both. I've only gotten to use them once for working out, but it it's been amazing um, because well, for several reasons. I really like the um, the skin of them. They're kind of they're not slick it's a little bit rubbery
0: it's like a soft touch kind of material
2: right. right yeah right so then it's not slipping around if i'm doing yoga if i'm upside down they're not falling off i'm not trying to stick things back in where back into my ears or they they really stay put the tips are really comfortable in the ears
0: yeah i, I struggle with those I, not i have like in my left ear no headphones will stay in them. Like, you know, the ones that go in the ears. I don't know what it is. My right is totally fine. But, like, I've used foam ones. I've used the rubber ones of all sizes. But really? it just pop, they always just pop out on my left ear. Just my left ear. I don't know what it is. So, like, I can only use either the huh. over ears or, like, yeah. like, stuff like the ear pods, which just sits on the inside. Like, you know, it just like, yeah. kind of just sits there. But anything that goes in, it just pops out.
2: I wonder if these... These are a different shape, I feel like, than most other ones. They kind of angle... In fact, we were sitting there li- looking at them like monkeys, really confused. Like, do they is this the right one? Is this the left one? Because they they hook it almost looks like they hook forward huh. and hook into your ear. And so, it has those I little wonder,
0: wing tip things as well, right? Yeah. Those really yeah. weird looking things.
2: Right. Right. It's um I think it's three. Right. Three that kind of stack on top of each other. Um so you get some you get good not suction, but you get good contact. Right.
0: Have you tried switching devices at all? Like, have you played around with any of the quick-pairing stuff?
2: I've, you know, I've only used my phone.
0: Right. Because these yeah, have I that same... Know. They had like, the same pairing technology in them that the, um, that the AirPods do, like, where you don't need to go through all the crazy Bluetooth stuff. You just hold them near and they connect. Uh-huh. Yes. Cool. so you can switch them around um, a lot of people complain or don't like the way that Beats headphones sound because they 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 equalize them in a specific way right? Like, I think mm-hmm. typically they're quite bassy do you have any thoughts on that like if you found them to to sound good or if you found them to sound weird at all depending on what you're listening to
2: um, I really think that they're pretty good Yeah. It's. I mean I'm coming from just the plain old earbuds mm-hmm. <laughs> so pretty much anything is probably going to be better <laughs> better yeah. quality um, we did find out when we first put them in it's like they're really tinny i can't hear the bass almost at all but it was something on my phone i had like bass equalizing uh. on and so i was like um, i don't know how you've been hearing anything any That's bass funny. at all
0: Stephen was really complaining about them like when he tried it's like oh these things sound crap there's no bass at
2: all <laughs> We figured that one out.
0: <laughs> it's like I don't know how this happened. To look at me, man! It's nothing to do with me.
2: <laughs> no, it is nice though. Your that's a good point. The way they they I don't know if they mix it or the way that it's equalized. Um, it is good because, like I yeah. said, I m- most of the time I'm listening with one in, one out so that I can hear if somebody's crying or needs something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but I don't feel like I'm missing part, half of the music, you know.
0: And they have inbuilt controls on them, right? One of the benefits of these over the pods, as you mentioned, is like they're attached to each other, so it's it's mm-hmm. harder to lose them because there's like a big cable there. And they mm-hmm. have the controls built into the little cable. And um, what they what do. controls does it have?
2: So on the left, you've got a microphone if you need to take a call uh-huh. on on them, and then you've got the pause, volume up, volume down. And then I would say on the other side, you've got the on and off switch. Okay. So you're not going to confuse them. You're not going to accidentally like try to turn the music up and turn them off and then have to, you know, push it back on and repair it. You don't have to worry about that.
0: Like I do it is the thing that I miss from my AirPods. Like I really like the AirPods for many of the same reasons that you like the beats, right? Like the convenience and, and there's no wires and stuff and the connection's good, they sound good. But the benefit that these things have is having those controls. Like I do miss them. Mm-hmm. I, I I I'm willing to kind of let it go because everything else about them is really great, but not being <laughs> able to play in pools like just by pressing a button is frustrating. Like the, the yeah. tapping on them doesn't work 100% of the time. And it's an uncomfortable thing to hit yourself in the side of the head, right? Like it's just not a <laughs> thing. And taking them out, I don't like taking them out because I drop them all the time. Yes. And because they, they're just these that. little, this is the thing, like the, the AirPods are like, they're like shiny plastic where like, I wish mm-hmm. they had a coating more like the Beats X where it was a bit more grippy.
2: Yeah, I really am been really happy with them.
0: And what about the battery life? Have you had any thoughts on that? I expect that you haven't really had to charge it.
2: You know, I i have, I have charged it once. And mm-hmm. last night I did a little experiment to see exactly how quickly um, I could charge them. And uh, they were at 45% after mm-hmm. I'd listened to them all morning while I was working around the house and doing some painting. And, um, so then I charged them, set a timer for five minutes and after the five minutes was up, they were up to 67%. Yeah,
0: that's awesome.
2: So, I mean, even if you, you know, even if you completely drain them the day before and then you're on your way to the gym, as long as you have, you know, your, your charger, Mm -hmm. um, you could just sit there for a minute, check email. And by the time you finish checking email and looking at Twitter, then they'd be charged up and you'd be able to use them.
0: And can you use you can use lightning cables to charge them right you don't need a, yes. a specific cable see that's really awesome because no. that's something that's frustrated me like
2: oh yes especially if you travel a lot oh yeah cuz it's just that's another so cable Mm-hmm.
0: Like I have a pair of the newer Beats over the ear headphones like that have the same technology in as these do, but they charge with a micro USB. And I'm like, oh, Apple, why mm. did you do this? Like, it's so <laughs> annoying. Like, I just yes. want to just use the lightning cable. And I'm pleased that they did that. Like, it just sticks into the little control part, right? You mm-hmm. just plug it in.
2: Yeah. So easy. That's so nice. Yeah. Because um, that I, I love, I know Steven doesn't really care for them very much, but mm-hmm. I love my Fitbit, uh, but it's it drives me insane. Like every every model has a different charger, almost at least in our house. And so we've got a little hub, a charging hub with three different chargers, charge you know, I mean mm-hmm. plugs, chart plugged in, but they're all for different Fitbits. Like we don't even have <laughs> one for all Fitbits. It's so annoying. Yeah,
0: <laughs> talking about those Fitbits, like you're you're big on the Fitbit, right? You you've gone through like do, sixty really of them like like or it. something. Yes,
2: <laughs> they're they're not long lasting, but I love them what they are
0: <laughs> what what do you use on the Is it's like it's just step counting like what what was it that you like on them
2: i you know i don't really care how many steps i take in a day okay. <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything to me i i like to measure distance it's just exciting to me if i've like walked a 5k i'm like yeah no wonder my feet are sore whatever <laughs> uh, but i really like my favorite thing, thing is probably the sleep tracking right in the evening Ah, yes sometimes you wake up and you're like man i just feel like i didn't even close my eyes you know i feel like i just went to sleep and then i can go and see I am like oh uh, because i was like twisting and turning all night that's what happened
0: so it gives you that sort of data right do you tell it you go to sleep and you leave it do you leave it on when you sleep
2: no i don't even tell it my charge too i don't have to tell it that i'm going to sleep so it can like if i nap it knows (laughs) i don't have to i don't have to tell it to start or stop
0: it's always got its eye on you it does <laughs> no no napping, no napping around all. Always here.
2: watching. Yes, it shocks me whenever I nap during the day, so that I get up again.
0: Well, I hope for your sake that they stay in business. they're, yeah, no. they're struggling. They're struggling a little right now.
2: I know. Maybe if they can just do better, make their stuff last longer than nine to twelve months.
0: So uh. overall, the beat sex. thumbs up. Yes. All right. Well, it's good. I'm happy that there's, there are a bunch of different options. I mean, of course, these are all made by Apple, but they they have the same core technology to them, which is this this new chip, which is the great Bluetooth, the great battery life, and now there are three headphones available. You've got like the over the like well the on ear ones, but the big ones that go over. I think they're called the Solo Three, and then we have the Beats X, and then the AirPods as well. So there's a bunch of um, there's there's a bunch of like options available. And mm-hmm. you still, you use an SE, right? So you still have a headphone jack. Yes, I do. So this isn't like for us, we're like, we have no choice. you're like, not <laughs> locked into it. Yeah. yeah, but it's still a choice that you're happy to make because you like the conveniences of Bluetooth. Yes. I want to ask you a few questions about Stephen before I let you go.
2: Oh, good. I have, I have a document in s- in front of me of what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not.
0: <laughs> Throw that document no, I'm out just the kidding.
2: window.
0: <laughs> Stephen is known, widely known as a collector of old computers. Mm -hmm. these computers are huge and take up a lot of space and from what i have seen and from what he mentions they are dotted all around the house what do you really think about these old computers
2: you know some of them are just ugly Mm -hmm. and i don't really want them in the house but most of those are his most prized possessions and so they're out here with him (laughs) in the studio (laughs) the
0: ugliest ones like the the one that he spent all that money on right that came with all the things That is, yeah. that thing, it was fun at the time, but now it looks, it looks terrible. It's
2: so bad. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, you know, since we moved, um, we have a little more space for people and computers, and that has been um, really nice.
0: <laughs> Do you not worry that he's just going to fill all that space, though, with more old computers?
2: Oh, it's, it's very full. Yeah. Uh, I mean you've probably seen pictures of the rack that he's Mm -hmm. like fitted with the awesome lights to show off the display and
0: Yeah. At least that's out of the house now though, right? Like it's out in the Right. right. I feel like
2: if you if you had asked me this question maybe in May Mm of last year, it probably would have been a different answer.
0: (laughs) Do you have a favorite?
2: There are a couple of the IMAX that are are pretty adorable. Yeah. Like after he made his whole collection, seeing them all lined up together was kinda sweet.
0: Um, Stephen, uh, made the news, uh, a couple of months ago with his hissing iPhone. Uh, did you hear the phone hissing at all? Oh yeah. And what was your thought on it? Was it like, get out of the house type of thing?
2: Um, I mean, I heard it. I, since I don't, I don't pay attention quite as closely as you guys do to tech. (laughs) Not many people do
0: really. You know,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if it had been my phone and I weren't married to Stephen Hackett, I would probably be like, hmm, that's weird. And that's it. I would not have taken it in. But since he he noticed it and was like, hey, listen to this, it was definitely noticeable. I thought, oh, that's weird. Like, why is it doing that? And so then it apparently became a thing that a lot of people were very bothered by. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Turns out, right? Turns out many people. What was that like? See, were you getting family members and stuff like commenting about that like seeing it on the news
2: <laughs> yeah like josiah's our, our son's preschool teacher from when he was three he's eight now when he was three she was like um is this like your Stephen steven hackett he's <laughs> on the news like i was just watching the news last night and his name popped out in this little video it's like yeah <laughs> that's, yeah, <mine>. that's, <laughs> that's <him> my troublemaker
0: <laughs> <laughs> my troublemaking husband there he is <laughs> mary thank you so much for joining us today
2: of course, glad to be with you.
0: Um, I would just like to know, if the opportunity ever arose, would you replace Stephen on the show?
2: Would I replace him on the show? Mm-hmm. Th- oh, you know, I'll fill in whenever. Yeah. Excellent.
0: That's good, because, <laughs> I mean, of all the Hacketts, I think I like you the most.
2: Oh, thanks, Mike.
0: If you want to find our show notes this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 130. And thanks so much to our sponsors, Smile, Ministry Supply and Squarespace. But again, most of all, thank you to our special guest this week, Mary Hackett. Until next time, say goodbye, Mary.
2: Adios.